growing up i've always seen women depending on their husbands for money right there's a lot of difference the moment you have financial independence there's a lot of difference in the way you own your decisions you're taken more seriously there are moments where you can keep your foot down and say okay this is what i'm going to do my mom because she's very smart right so at that point of time maybe as a child maybe i felt why don't you try making some money for yourself so you can you can buy whatever you want and now so this is how it started so then she started doing small small things women start businesses for lots of different reasons for many women it's about aligning their values and passions with long standing interests for others it's about having freedom It's about being in control of an aspect of the future. But it might also be about wanting to make money. Welcome to Founders, a show about women entrepreneurs. I'm Samyukta Varma. This is the final episode of our three-part series. On the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship, you've got to keep your eyes on the goal. money One of the biggest challenges entrepreneurs face is securing funding for their venture. From getting a small loan to buy a piece of equipment to raising the kind of funds you would need to scale a business. It's hard. Research shows that less than 3% of all venture capital funded companies are run by women. And 48% say they have had trouble finding advisors and mentors. But at the same time, microfinance institutions have shown what a good bet women are. For decades now, studies have shown that microfinance loan repayment rates given to women are much higher. This is why there's such a focus on small-scale financing for women. This is promising, but there's still a big gender gap in financial inclusion. And many people are working on this because it's become an important strategy for both women's empowerment and economic growth. So let's try to understand why this gap actually exists. I studied chartered accountancy right out of school. This is Lavanya Mohan. Chartered accountancy is not like college, right? It's a professional course. So you meet many people from many different backgrounds. And what I noticed was that there were a lot of girls who studied with me who came to the classes that I went to from areas of the city that were further away and from slightly different economic backgrounds, right? Lavinia started to notice something that would happen when she and her classmates were on their breaks, sitting outside their class drinking chai or chatting. After class, there'd be a bunch of guys who talk about like the stock market or something. There'd always be like one gang that used to like um, get out and like talk about like the market or talk about current affairs, as you know we used to call it then. And these girls who were so much better than the rest of us at the academic subject would not participate. even within an like all girl interaction they'd hold themselves back she noticed that despite the fact that their course was all about it money was a topic that some women were more comfortable with than others later when she got a job she and her friends were once talking about what they would do their first salaries so me and a good friend of mine again very similar background as me we were talking about um taking a holiday right we were like oh you know where do we go for a holiday 
and then there was this other there were a bunch of other girls who were like wait don't you just give the money to your parents like are you telling me that you actually get to act on the money that you earn and we were like wow we did not even think that this was up for negotiation right because the money that you make is your money and then i did a lot of digging with my own friends and uh, i realized that in a lot of households i'm talking about even like privileged households they don't get to see their moms participate in the decision making process when it comes to uh, money she says she grew up in a family where her father also a chartered accountant was very open about finances with his kids and despite being a homemaker her mother was very much part of all of the family decisions especially financial ones lavinia says her mother was very insistent that her two daughters become financially independent of course in a lot of households the mothers controlled the grocery budget like the household budget the pocket money and all of those things but very rarely did they participate in conversations around insurance or in conversations around portfolios or in conversations uh, regarding what was going around what was going on in their bank accounts this problem has become lavanya's passion she runs pen money a personal finance blog where she advises women on all kinds of matters related to finance this is a statement that i hear very often i am very stupid with money i am very dumb with money no there are very few people who are actually very smart with money instead we have to think about creating spaces where women feel safe enough to ask like the silliest of questions lavinia strongly believes that understanding money is easy you just need information and the right kind of advice it's not about having an innate sense or deep knowledge it's just something that comes with practice you don't need to be a certain way you don't have to have these friends instead take these tools and apply them in your context what is your relationship with money at that time i was not that satisfied because uh, at that time my feeling was like to earn the money so i used to be like that i should get the promotions i should earn the money all my notion was like that you know doing a business on your own and see when you do a business on your own it's not about only you making money or earning but it's about getting job opportunities for people who are less privileged or like you know who have no training just you know high school school dropouts the entire time i've been financing my own education and own my own life and i do farming like pecory chickens gardening to help myself busy to earn and to put into saving initially i spent around 30 to 40 lakhs at the moment to make a uh, initial products the moment you have exposure the, the it's like cash in your hand like it takes you places right this problem of women and money has another set of effects outside of the household we talked a little bit in the first episode about how women run a large percentage of small scale enterprises which are mostly small sole proprietorships and one of the biggest challenges faced by small businesses especially those run by women is the ability to access the kind of capital it takes to grow to the next stage i spent 3 months um meeting huge number of entrepreneurs in india this is hardik asha businesses small businesses large businesses funders bankers to really dig in to understand what the gap was and what i identified then and this is now i'm talking about 2010 is that 
there is still a high risk aversion to funding microenterprises in a formal way. Hardika runs Kinara Capital, a socially responsible fintech company that works towards financial inclusion by giving loans to small businesses across India. In 2010, Hardika had been away from India for 12 years, studying and working in the US. And on her visits home, she had noticed something. And what I saw was that actually the divide was widening a little further. Access to capital was not at the level I would have expected it to be. Uh, in fact, the struggles my mom had when she would start her business or would try to fund, you know, a working capital in her business was still very much you know, there and probably even more amplified. What she learned was there was an incredibly large percentage of people that were being left out and subsequently written off from the financial services industry. The informal lending market is strong and has always been strong, but formal lending, formal access to credit for microenterprises was still a huge gap. And in fact, in 2011, the World Bank and IFC did a detailed study and and identified this gap to be back then at 200 billion dollars and now it's up you know up closer to 600 billion dollars and and growing so how did this problem come to be and how are women business owners particularly affected the problem is twofold one the banking system just didn't understand what to do with these small entrepreneurs that were not as formalized they are under the the band right so so they don't need to do any filing so you know so their lack of formalization there is lack of access because of this distribution and as a bank manager the pressure on a branch manager is not just credit they have to obviously manage treasury manage their savings you know uh, accounts etc mathematically it is just far easy for a banker to give 520 lakh loans than 25 lakh loans two there's often a lack of collateral which is essential when a loan is being given out and women don't own property in the way that men do less than 10% of women in india today own their own property and i'm sure those women often are not from the micro enterprise segment so you're already disadvantaged because uh, you do not have property to pledge that is in your name you're disadvantaged because there is inherent bias in how we operate in india where we tend to think that women owned women managed businesses should be more services oriented should be more home based businesses and third which is interconnected to that is getting the support getting the family support getting the community support to start the business less than 20% of micro enterprises are owned and operated by women and only a small slice of that group gets financial support here's samya kapoor from the initiative for what works to advance women and girls in the economy a lot of these programs were trying to target uh, women entrepreneurs who are already in a big segment i mean they're they're large So the Stand Up India scheme is trying to actually give assistance of ten lakh to one crore. Now that's a loan amount that a large majority of women's enterprises 
will not be taking. If you look at the, even the mudra sort of data, it's mostly in the shishu category that they will be taking loans. Formalization is also about being able to access the knowledge and resources and navigate the bureaucracy required to get a business formally registered. Many people find this a challenge. Is that oftentimes to connect to these inputs, you require many other sort of process-related stuff, like you need to register for a bank, you need to get um, like a GST number or something, which women aren't aware about. Lavinia says she encounters this all the time. Right? It's not like you can just ask your friend, dude, you know, um, have you figured this GST thing out? There are no resources to really guide us. Lavinia says that for women, the social consequences of even having to interact with men in certain institutional settings can be daunting. And this can deter them from seeking information or support. And the fact is that men have it easier simply because the way they reach out to their peers, they're a lot more forthcoming. They're a lot more, they don't think about these things. They don't think about consequences. But there are other ways to extend support to women. Samia points to three things that the state can do to support women entrepreneurs. And these are all very practical. One, budgeting and allocating enough financial resources that women can avail of. The second is creating spaces and hubs, especially for women entrepreneurs. And the third is perhaps the most obvious, but probably the most overlooked. It is in making a concerted effort to ease processes and improve awareness. And the last piece of this is to constantly evaluate how responsive these measures are, and then to learn and adapt them so that they're more effective. Professor Seema Jayachandran from Northwestern University says, we don't think of this as a long-term process. This one-time infusion of philanthropy, whether that's through cash, or that's through some training, is going to propel women to this next level. And that sometimes happens, but I think that's usually too unrealistic of a, a goal. You know, part of gauging success is just understanding that we're not going to have rates of return of 100% on, on every inter intervention. And so when you have a program, it might work for a few women or might have a small benefit. And that to achieve real success, you're going to have to have lots of interventions. Late last year, Geeta established her business in Hyderabad. She's had a long-standing interest in a single issue, the plight of manual scavengers, and she's determined to find a technological solution to the sanitation problem in India. I understood that people are working even in manholes and sewage lines. Even women are forced to enter into the sewage lines, clear up the waste. So I thought, like, why people should enter into such places and then give up their lives? Gita spent decades working in the banking sector. And when she left, she set about researching what she could do. And that was how the idea for her business was born. So I want to utilize my knowledge using artificial intelligence and robotics to make them come out of there. One of the things that I also tell a lot of people is that when it comes to 
women and entrepreneurship in India, it's almost as if we're all primed to succeed only up to a certain level. Social attitudes about what women should and shouldn't do play a very big role in shaping dreams. This is something a lot of women in business talk about. And they don't let you do trial and error also, you know. They don't let you just go and do some internship. or They're like, no, you can only do this kind of job or some, you know, the job has to be maybe a government job, maybe, a, you know, a good paying job. You know, they don't let you try small, small things and all. My path also, it's been very traditional, right? I went to BITS and I went to IAM. So I was encouraged. But if somebody uh, in intermediate, they falter. They're not allowed to go back and try other things and all those things. So you need to follow a very standard process and excel, excel in each stage. Then you're encouraged in that stage. And after that, even people around you don't know what to do with you. We will clap and we will encourage women up to a certain level. It's like, oh, you sell kurtas on Instagram. Very cute, right? Oh, we'll clap for you. You made puppet and you sell it and you're like the best puppet seller in your neighborhood. Amazing. But the moment women entrepreneurs want to level up, the moment you want to step up, the moment you want to make your business formal, then the system's out to screw you. Even the formal structures set up to support entrepreneurship operate with biases. They still exist within society and often perpetuate its less desirable values. Most entrepreneurs will say, in business, friends matter. This is Hardika again. The most unlikely group of people who funded me were actually my MBA classmates. I didn't ask, <laughs> they just offered. It's the most uh, responsible money I've taken and I feel both grateful and a tremendous pressure to make sure through those years that um, I, uh, I don't make, you know, uh, damaging mistakes that, uh, you know, that uh, break that trust. And so far I haven't. So thankfully, they're still with me and behind me. There's a certain kind of business story that we don't hear enough about. The informal networks of support that have helped to keep a business alive. And there is a personal and a professional angle to this. Entrepreneurs often turn to their peers for advice or trusted friends for support. People who understand what you're going through. Women may not always have that. Often women are first-generation entrepreneurs and they don't really have a network to turn to. All of the women we interviewed talked about this and recognized how privileged they were to have college networks of friends. They had people they could turn to when they had questions and they had champions. I have an amazing bunch of cohorts there and I have mentors, I have startup voices also and from ISDM also. So my best friend is also running a restaurant in a different state. We discuss, okay, this is the problem, what should I do? Or like, if I need to buy some equipment, then working in the industry for some time, we know I know whom to contact. I get a lot of support and help from my friends. And let's not forget that dreams take time to realize. And sometimes it takes a whole generation. This is Kirti talking about her business partner and mother, Lakshmi. 
three of us who, who were our children and my father is also very supportive but her dreams are also a little limited which i keep keep pushing her because she's extremely capable and she's very smart i mean sometimes when you're speaking to her you're like yeah yeah i went to this college but this lady is smarter you know she's very committed and and she started feeling very good i mean in her circles friend circles and all she's also feeling that she started to get her due i kind of feel bad for her that she she didn't get to continue her education but maybe she has helped me through the these many years maybe i can help her do what i mean to show the world what she's capable of it's sometimes very hard to explain why you want to make a dream come to life why you have a burning passion or an idea that you want to pursue when i do meet women customers and i hear their stories it is incredible in how much they have persevered and and yet they continue to push themselves to dream it can be a lonely road kirti says that she has friends from her mba program but since she's based in a small town right now far away from them she feels sometimes that she's living a different life yeah it is lonely because people people don't understand what you're speaking so it's it's i mean they don't understand and it really starts feeling am i boring people so much a lot of people talk about what the early days of entrepreneurship does to you the kind of state you have to go into when you're starting a business it's been described as a kind of fever you become single minded you're constantly working things out in your head business decisions strategies and it's easier to be around people who are going through something similar and understand the kind of limitations you have on your time and they share your excitement in the whole thing so it's important to form that uh, circle of people who can support you locally and who understand what you're speaking and who, with whom you can discuss one of the things we heard over and over again in the interviews for the series was the risk of failure and how disproportionately high it was for women women don't feel like they get a lot of chances we asked hardika shah if she had any advice to give about failure and what she would say to a woman who didn't make it the first time round i guess the one thing i'll say is that you know we as women take on a larger burden burden of family you mentioned this before right you know taking care of ailing parents or just parents taking care of children and and so when let's say a business does fail it is very easy to then refocus or reprioritize yourself to something or some body that needs you and and in that lose the essence of why you started that business so the business in itself is just a thing but the purpose the the passion that you brought to it that's what we need to hang on to right so my advice to women would be definitely if you need that break you need to step away do that but don't take it personally and don't let anybody else make you feel that it was your personal failure it was just a failure that's it you know pick up dust off and start again i mean it feels good it feels good to be working on something that uh, you like right 
my my biggest strength is like i can say no to every anyone very strict no yeah so you know i am a kind of person who generally operates from the heart but you know in this entire process i actually had to bring my head in the process i would say uh, maybe it made me a mo- more stronger and happier person yeah probably thank you for listening thanks to alam jungla geeta grace kavita kirti lakshmi and tanushree if you would like to know more about their businesses go to herandnow.in thanks also to hardika shah lavanya mohan seema jayachandran and samya kapoor founders is produced by vaka media it is supported by her and now a project implemented by giz on behalf of the german federal ministry for economic cooperation and development in partnership with the indian ministry of skill development and entrepreneurship to promote aspiring and existing women entrepreneurs in India. For more information, visit herandnow.in.